Lots of folks came to Christ uh, last weekend or declared Him to be Lord in their life, but I can guarantee you that wasn't the first time they ever saw Him. That wasn't the first time they ever knew the things of God. Because God prepares our hearts in a lot of ways. Uh, the memory verse this week says, uh, For since the creation of the world, the invisible, God's invisible qualities, His eternal powers, and His divine nature have been clearly seen, watch this, through our understanding from that which has been made. In other words, God has been trying to get through to us a long time just in the natural things of life. And, and, and you, you tend to see that even when, before you know who God really is. You tend to sense in things of nature that He's there, that He's present. And it's, it's especially um, um, appropriate on Palm Sunday that we would talk about the physical demonstration of God. God just coming right out in the open. Uh, in very physical ways and showing himself to us, just as a takeoff for this sermon subject. Now, if you have your scriptures with you, turn to Luke chapter 19, and I'll talk about if God reveals to all of us before we know really who he is, his presence through nature, then how much more should those of us who know who he, who he really is see him every day in the things of nature? <clears throat> Let's begin with verse uh, 29. This is about Palm Sunday. And it came about that when he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you, in which as you enter you will find a colt tied. This is a donkey. On which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Thus you shall speak, the Lord has need of it. By the way, all of us, all of us should understand that all of our qualities, all of our attributes, all of our possessions are just kind of tied up until the Lord calls for it. When the Lord calls for it, it goes. And so those who were sent away found it just as he told them. Now, if you're reading this, you get this, this idea in your mind, well, this is kind of a put-up job here. And you're exactly right. This is a planned spontaneity. This is a prearranged resource for the revealing of Jesus Christ. I would submit to you that all of the world is a prearranged resource for the revealing of who Jesus Christ is. That God, from the very beginning, planted very ordinary things so that, watch this, God is a supernatural being, but He's supernatural because He uses the natural in ways way above the natural. That's what supernatural means, way above the natural. What did God use to reveal Himself to Moses? The bush. <laughs> Moses, out just poking sheep and saw fire. Crawled up, and he's looking at a bush. And he looks at the bush, and the bush is on fire, and the bush doesn't die down. And out of this bush comes a voice. Now, i got to ask you, if you were Moses, would you ever look at another bush the same? 
I mean, wouldn't you be just a little wary walking around the bushes? Wouldn't you be kind of listening? Here's this, here's this bush on fire. Just beautiful colors, I imagine. Just red and orange and yellows. You know what fire looks like. And this voice comes out and says, I am. Boy! Now, let me ask you another question. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions this morning. Where, have you ever been up north along about the third week of October? And you go out, maybe in a park, maybe just in your backyard, and you see all the trees and all the bushes, and they're reds and oranges and yellows. Did you ever just, just hear God's voice quietly say, I am? You see, God still uses bushes. And you should never look at a bush just like a bush. It's always a vehicle for the voice and the presence of God. Because that's what God uses. God uses conflict. Can you believe that? You remember uh, the prophet's servant? <laughs> he comes out of the tent in the morning and they're surrounded by the enemy. And he's going, oh man. He goes back in the tent. He gets the prophet out. And he goes, we're cooked. And the prophet just looks around, sees all the enemy. And then the prophet prays this, oh Lord, open the eyes of your servant. Doesn't call him my servant, your servant. And this servant sees chariots of fire. The heavenly host, you know what heavenly host is? Host is the armies of God. All of the regiments of God surrounding all of the enemy troops. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that boy ever went into another battle just looking at the enemy? He saw more than that. What does God use? Well, he uses a donkey. Let me see. What are we going to do to reveal the king of the world? What are we going to use? Well, I believe we use a donkey. I have one tied up over here. I've just kind of prearranged it. Do you think the disciples ever looked at a donkey with the same eyes? Do you think every time they saw a donkey, they said, Jesus rode one of those. That's a special animal. Of course, of course. And the Bible says that, that, they, that they spread palms. Spread palms. You know, palms weren't just for Palm Sunday. As Vernon read to you in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says palms are going to be in heaven. You understand that? It says, it, it says, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches are in their hands. You know what you ought to do every time you go by a palm. Now listen, the northerners have, have the colors of the fall, but the southerners got the palm trees. And every time you go past the palm tree, you ought to look at it and say, see you in heaven. See you in heaven. A palm tree is not just a palm tree. A palm tree is a reminder of the praise of God. And everybody who looks at a palm tree and doesn't see that's wasting the palm tree. God uses very ordinary things. Jesus, when he taught about the things of the kingdom of God, did he ever teach in mystical theological terms? Never. You never heard Jesus answer the question, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen? He could care less. When he says, hey, you want to know about the kingdom of God? Hmm. Think of a friend that shows up 
at a bad time. Think of somebody who comes over at midnight, knocks on the door and wants something. Let me ask you, have you ever had a friend that just kind of showed up? Just kind of showed up at a bad time? Do you think that the people who he was teaching ever saw that friend in the same way again? Now that's what friends do. They come over when they need you. Not when you need them. Not all the time. And Jesus said the coming of the kingdom is going to be kind of like that. It's going to come when it's ready for you, not when you're ready for it. So every time you have a friend who needs you at an inopportune time, I want you to remember the kingdom. When Jesus taught about the things of the kingdom, he didn't say stare off into space. He said, look at the birds. Wow. Look at the lilies of the field. Solomon, in all of his glory, didn't have clothes like one of these. Do you think that they ever looked at lilies the same again? Never. When they saw the flowers, they thought of the provisions of God every time. Jesus said, you want to learn about the kingdom of God? Look at a beggar. Look at a beggar who is so repulsive that the only things that will come around him are the dogs to lick his wounds. And I want you to know something about that beggar. The beggar's name is Lazarus, and someday he's going to go to heaven. Do you think that they ever looked at a beggar the same again? Do you think they ever went by a beggar and didn't think to themselves, hmm, candidate for heaven here. <laughs> you see what Jesus did in every one of their thoughts, in every aspect of their lives. He planted the images of God. Jesus said this, anybody ever had a rebellious child? Think of the prodigal son. Any of you parents ever worried that your kids are going to ruin their lives? Well, maybe if instead of just concentrating on the kid, you could concentrate on a father who has infinite patience, that could be a spiritual time rather than just a worrisome time. And he went on and on, talked about animals. Now, most people back then, animals just had sheep, so he talked a lot about sheep. If he came along today and taught you today, he'd probably talk about your dog or your cat or your parrot or the animal you have. So that every time you look at an animal, you didn't see just an animal. You'd see a reminder of the kingdom of God. And on and on and on. You get the idea. Now, read on with me. It says in verse 33, And as they were untying a colt. Now, I want you to get this. Anybody ever smelled a colt? You ever smell a horse? I want you to get the odor of this. This is very physical. Untie this is not just, this isn't picture window stuff. This is, man, this thing stinks. This is what's going to bring God in here. As they were untying the colt, its owners, by the way, the Greek word here is the exact same word they use for the Lord, kurios. And, and so I want you to get the symbolism that you may be Lord over your things, but the question is, will you submit your Lordship to His Lordship? The owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, Well, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their garments on the colt. Do you wear clothes that 
maybe at least they don't just glorify you. Maybe they can glorify God. The other day, uh, yesterday, somebody showed up at the door here, and uh, they had just moved into town the day before. And I said, how in the world did you find out about this church so fast? And they said, well, we were over in the mall, and some guy was walking by in a Promise Keepers t-shirt. So we said, where's, where's a good church? I said, well, we go to Northland. See, it's just a closed thing. I, I walked by an usher today. <laughs> yeah, I walked by an usher today, and he had a little tie on. I said, nice tie. And I, and I got about two steps on head. What's that tie say on it? And had just little lines, for God so loved the world. See, if I'd have, if I'd have, if I'd have walked on by and missed just this little message, thanks, God. I, I, need a, I need a reminder of that. See, clothes can also glorify God. And you don't have to always have to wear Lord on your, your thing all the time, but, but it doesn't hurt every once in a while. I love to go to the gym and just see, see which ones of those guys are just kind of, you know, advertising. So more than their bodies. So anyhow, it says, uh, and they threw their garments on the colt, used their clothes to glorify Christ, put Jesus on it, and as he was going, they were spreading their garments on the road, and as he was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully. <laughs> I love the kids. Do you ever notice the different expressions on these kids' face when they come in with these palm branches? I mean, some of them are going... This is great. Waving the things and yet, all right, going to glorify Christ. And some of them are going, I cannot believe I'm doing this. <laughs> I, mean, I just came to Sunday school. I'm carrying a stupid palm branch around. I just cannot, you know. Well, how much you enjoy your faith is up to you. But it sure is a lot more fun to have fun with it than it is not to have fun with it. And it says, and it says to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. This is a very earthy scene. All the way from, from flinging off your, your cloaks to, to smelling mules and, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and the whole thing says this, that there is peace in heaven when we get it right down here. When we see down here what they see up there. There's a card out these days that just on the cover of it has a, a picture of the earth. That you've, you've seen probably a, a picture taken from out of space, what the earth looks like, just kind of a blue marble thing. And it's hung just in the blackness of space. And you open it up, and the words, there's four words inside, says, wish you were here. <laughs> I can imagine that being sent to just some, kind of some spacey people that, that, you know, come back to earth, here's where we are. You know what? I imagine God saying the same thing to some of the Christians I know. Wish you were here, down here on earth. That's where I am. Wish you were here. I know some of the theologians I know that just go through hair, I mean, just splitting hair theology. God just said, wish you were here. I'm down here in the world. Wish you were here. God has reminders in this world. And he had reminders of us for us before we ever became Christians. Just, just little things. We used to have cultural things to point to, the, to His glory before we ever knew what they were all about. Back in, back in decades ago, we had Easter parades. Remember those of us who kind of Lawrence Welked our way through youth? <laughs> Remember Lawrence Welk and Myron Florin and all those guys? And, uh, and, and they'd have their little, those little Easter songs, in her Easter bonnet with all the frills upon it. 
you'll be the grandest lady in the Easter parade. And you do the thing, and you have a little, little thing. Now, but girls always had Easter hats. I still, I miss church hats. Thanks for some of you for wearing church hats. But they always had the, they always had Easter bonnets, and we got the, and they got gloves, and and the boys got new clothes. Now they, we didn't have a clue what that was all about. There were Easter parades. Some of you really had Easter parades in your hometown, didn't you? And we didn't. I mean, that was all. Nobody really did. I mean, we, we nobody was really celebrating Christ. They were just kind of putting crepe paper on their bikes and letting their dogs chase them down the street, and and it wasn't a big deal. But but it was it was kind of a well, this, there's something special here. And God used just the ordinary things of life uh, uh, or, or the special things of life to point to something greater, even though we didn't know what it was yet. Sometimes on Easter, we got, remember, Uncle Jim, uh, in, the, in the Shelby Hatchery, they used to give out um, dyed chickens. Chicks, did you, did you, did you anybody get any dyed chickens when they got little chicks? Do you remember that? I don't know how, well, how did they dye those things? I don't, they got, they got a spray gun. To, anyhow, kids could go down to the hatchery and get a free chicken. And you just take the thing home, just falls over dead. <laughs> Mine did that every year. Took the thing home. Of course, you pet it like crazy. Look at this. You just pet it like crazy. <laughs> you didn't know. And, and you put water in, in bread and just fall over dead. I, later on, I thought, what a curious symbol for the resurrection. <laughs> get a stinking chicken, just falls over dead. We didn't know how to raise chickens. There was one guy down the street who knew how to raise a chicken. Boy, he'd just raise up like, a, you know, the national chicken and then kill it and eat it. But, but we didn't know. But the thing was that there were special, it was a special thing. You used the ordinary things of the world for special commemoration. We had Easter egg hunts. I know, I know boy, evangelical Christians get all nervous about Easter egg. Oh, pagan, pagan, pagan. Relax, it's an egg for crying out loud. It's a stinking egg. Man, oh man. God, God uses ordinary things, and he actually uses pagan things to help us anticipate the real thing. That's how he's always worked. Just the regular stuff of life and some of the stuff that hadn't even gotten right yet in order to develop a hunger for the real stuff. Think of, think of all of the ways every day that if your eyes were just open, you could understand that the world is reminding you of Jesus Christ. Do you know that every, every time you write the year 1998, you are commemorating the birth of Jesus Christ? Every time you write that date, you're recognizing his birth. I get materials from all different kinds of, of, of religions and, and, and uh uh, uh, agnostic organizations just because I want to know what's going on and I want to I want to uh, keep abreast of the facts and all that kind of stuff every one of them Jews Muslims ag uh, 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 atheist organizations every one of them has 1998 on their material every one of them whether they want to recognize it or not is recognizing the birth of Jesus Christ every day if you if you understand that you go whoo yeah it's just it's just a neat reminder there are there are reminders in in and uh, you say, well, I, I watch a lot of TV. Can you ever see Jesus? On? Well, you don't have to turn to the religious channel on TV to be reminded of Christ. You can be reminded of Christ in both in positive and negative. You can, you can, uh, 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 the new, you know what the new Walgreens uh, motto is, a new advertisement is, uh, we know you so well, you're one of our clients, and so we fill your prescription so that your refills are prefills. We know, we know you that way. We can anticipate your needs. So your refills are prefills. 
I'm thinking to myself, what a perfect image of God. He knows you so well, your prayers are answered before you ever ask for them. He, he, your refills are His prefills. That's a perfect picture of God. Do you know that I've, I've listened to it. I've, every once in a while I get a hankering, I love that word, hankering for country music. And I, I, can't, I can't start a steady diet, but I kind of, it's clever. Country music is clever. And so every once in a while I get a craving for country music. I think I may be having a baby or something because that's when you get strange cravings. But, but so, so I've been listening to country music the uh, last couple of weeks. And, and, it's, and it's cool because they, 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 they have clever lyrics. And just about in every one of those lyrics, I, I, there's something that reminds me of God. The, a lyric that I heard recently was, uh, um, we've got it good no matter how bad it gets. And I think of Romans 8. Man, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We got it good no matter how bad it gets. When that runs in your mind, you are reminded repeatedly of God. You, you, you just see Him in ordinary life, in everyday life. There are negative things too. And, 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 you're, and you're affirmed even more in your direction. You know, I'm reminded, there's little bits of little visions of hell as that, I, that I see on TV. There, I used to think Sartre's No Exit was the definitive picture of hell. You know that play where three people are in a room and they can't get out and they, and they, and they just, each of them has a desire for the other one, but the other one doesn't desire them at all and that was the, that was the basis of the play. I've got a new picture of hell. My new picture of hell would be to be a permanent guest on the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> Can you imagine that? But you get, you know, people just, just trying to justify themselves and being mad at everybody else and all that. I mean, that's a perfect picture. But, but you're reminded. You're reminded of the grace of God. You're reminded when you, when you, when you go through uh, uh, the definitive elements of life. Do you know that, that all of your learning is learning because it reflects the eternal principles of God? Every discipline you have in school, I preached a, several sermons on this, uh, a while back, but every discipline you have in school reflects a biblical principle, and that's why it's valid. You know, your li the literature, the great classics of literature, are things that reflect the principles of God. Uh, Joel just got done with a with a, uh, a book report on uh, uh, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's uh, great classic, and what a well written work that is. But not only is the theme absolutely. Um, 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 spiritually valid. That is, if we don't love our creation, it will turn on us. Parents, that goes for kids too. But the style in which it is written, the narrator, whether or not he is directly involved in the plot, guides you through the story, just like God. That's how God writes life. Whether or not you can see Him directly involved in the plot, His is the voice that explains to you what's going on. That's why it's a classic. Math is, 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 is simply a picture of the symmetry of the universe. You reap what you sow. Things are the same on both sides of the equation. Particle physics tells us about the mysteries of things that, that if, if a light... If light can be both, both um, wave and particle, then maybe God can be both singular and plural. 
Maybe there can be one God in three persons. Um, um, anyhow, you just go, you, you, you get the picture here. You get the picture that God is, is shown through His creation. You get the picture that, that there are, that every day, no matter what you're watching, we watched uh, 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 Wonder Years, this, this, this uh, I love Kevin and Winnie. They're so cute. And they were doing their first kiss. They're doing a show on their first kiss. Now, they got invited to a makeout party. Anybody ever got invited to a makeout party? Oh, yeah, right. Hey, this is church. I'm your preacher. Don't be fibbing to me. I know you got invited to me. But listen, they were so intimidated. And so they go to this, and she just, Winnie's so sweet, she just gets up and runs out. Just runs out. And, and, and so Kevin just doesn't have a clue what just, I mean, he, he didn't feel very comfortable either. But so he thinks, of course, men hardly ever have a clue as to what's going on. So he, he's going like this, and, and, and so he thinks she doesn't like him. And, 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 but she comes knocking on his window, and they take a walk, and... and uh, and she's telling him all this stuff, and, and he's saying, well, why are you telling me all this stuff? And he says, because you're my boyfriend. He said, I'm your boyfriend? Now, she's just run away from him. She said, yeah. And then, and then she says, I just didn't want to kiss like that. And she said, he said, well, what do you want to kiss like? And so she just reaches in and gives him one of these on her. And he just, and the voice comes in. I love the voice to explain it to us. And the voice comes in, and, he, and it's, he's thinking to himself, life is so complicated. And then, he, then the voice pauses and says, but it's really so simple. Man, that's, the, that's like the kingdom of God. You know, it's so, life is so complex, but it's really so simple. It's really so simple. It's all about the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God in everything, not just over one realm of life. Do you remember in the robe where Douglas explains, he writes in a character, Demetrius, who's the slave. And Demetrius crowds his way at, at, to the front of a parade of Jesus so that he can get a firsthand look at Jesus. And, he, and after that, he goes, he blends back into the crowd and he comes back to a friend who is also a slave. And the slave looks at him and said, well, did you see him? And Demetrius said, yes. And the friend says, is he crazy? Demetrius says, no. He says, is he, is he a king then? And Demetrius says, no. And his friend says, well, what is he then? And Demetrius thinks for a moment and he says, I, I don't know, but something much more than a king. That's God. More pervasive, more comprehensive in the ordinary things of life. Not just in the spiritual things, in the ordinary things of life. Read, read the last couple of verses with me. It says in verse 39, And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Now I love this. I liked what Orlando said last night. Orlando says, every party has a poop. And these are the party poopers. The Pharisees are always the party poopers. And, 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 and their, their deal here is that, that they can't squelch the popularity of Christ, so they want him to squelch it. <laughs> Teacher, will you rebuke your disciples? 
And look at what Jesus says. He answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Have you ever heard the expression, boy, he's dumber than a rock. You know, what, you know where that comes from? Here. If we cannot see God by the ordinary things in this world, we're dumber than a rock. If we cannot express our faith in God, then we're dumber than a rock. I mean, literally. Because all of the universe, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. All of the universe sees God. Can we not see it? I realize there's a lot to learn. And I realize that most of what we have to learn seems to be passing because of the quick accumulation of knowledge. Do you know that from the year zero to the year 1760, from the year zero to the year 1760, the entire body of knowledge in this world doubled once. 1760 years. From the year 1760 to the year 1880, it doubled again. 120 years. From the year 1880 to 1914, it doubled again. 34 years. Now, the body of knowledge in this world doubles at least twice a year and is accelerating. There is so much to know. But how much of it can we know in a way that it points to eternal things? Life is so complicated, but so simple. And what we have to do is we have to figure out what points us to what is permanent. Do you know the fastest growing body of workers in this country? This is a whole new realm of the workforce, and it is the fastest growing are people that are called permanent temps. Permanent temps. More and more companies are hiring people on a temporary basis, on an ongoing basis, so they don't have to pay them as much, many benefits. They don't have to give them the security. So we have an entire segment of society that is growing, living on a temporary basis. Let me ask you this. What if you could see in everything, the permanence and the things that will never fade. What if you could do that? What if, what if everything you knew, you could, you could point those things that would last for hundreds of years. Did you, do you know at the beginning of this, this founding of this nation, there were three million people in the United States in the, in, in, in the, at the founding of our country. There were six world-class leaders whose voices whose actions, whose ideas would last for hundreds of years. Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Franklin, Madison, and Hamilton. Do you know that now we have 260 million people in this country? Where are any world-class leaders? All our leaders can say is, I didn't do it. They, we're not talking about, we're ta we need to have permanent stuff here. We need to have folks who give us ideas that are eternal. Do you know who those folks are? 
they're you. You are the ones that can see God in the everyday. You are the ones that can see the things that will last. You are the ones that can see every day, not only His image, but what is to come. Let me tell you one more story and then I'll quit. I love this story. Somebody sent me this. Two of you sent me this this week. Same story. It's about an old lady who's about to die. And, and she goes to her preacher. She said, Preacher, I'm going to die pretty soon. I want to plan my funeral. And I just have a, two requests of you. That when I die in my coffin, I have a Bible in one hand and a fork in the other. <laughs> well, a minister looks at her and says, Well, ma'am, I know, I know you and I know why you want a Bible in the one hand. Because you love the Word of God. You've always loved the Word of God. I know you do. But why do you want a fork in the other one? And she looked at him and says, Preacher, she says, For decades I've gone to church suppers. And every church supper I go to, I hear the same thing after the main course. Somebody always says, Keep your fork. She says, now I know what that means. That means dessert's coming. Not, old, not some old flimsy dessert, because you don't need a fork for jello or ice cream. But something real good. I want a fork in my hand to declare to all the world, the best is yet to come. Pray with me. God, thank you that the best is yet to come. Thank you that you give us eyes to see you every day. If we will just look to recognize your presence in our lives, to hear your voice, to see your grace, God, help us to have the mind of Christ that in the ordinary things of life sees the extraordinary, in the temporary things of life sees the eternal. And Lord, as we are about to partake of this, your supper, help us to understand this isn't just bread and juice. This is the food of heaven. This is what you have given us as a foretaste of what will be everlasting provision. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as the screen comes down, let me ask the communion servers and the prayer team to come forward. And as they're coming forward, let me invite you to consider something. Whoa, there's my, my Nito Kino bookmark. By the way, these bookmarks that help you uh, lead someone to Christ are still available. Remember, put them into Romans chapter 3. It seems appropriate that during this time, those of you who are followers of Christ would partake of these elements, and that would be such a spiritual blessing to you. There are some of you, though, that are going to be reticent, and for good reason, and it's right that you should be. Some of you will say, I'm not a follower of Christ yet, so I shouldn't partake, and you're exactly right, because if you, if you don't have Christ in your heart, this is just a meaningless religious ritual. But always before we say, well, why don't you just sit there and pray? And we, we started thinking, well, that's kind of an inadequate thing to ask. And so what we're going to do is, on this 
day when we commemorate some very brave people that made a public declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you do not yet know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you would be brave and courageous enough this day to make Him your Lord and Savior, we want to invite you to come and pray with either of these prayer teams up here, and they'll lead you into that relationship where Jesus is your King, and they will give you your first communion as a believer personally, as God wants to do. Now, there are also some of you who are Christians, but there's something else in your life that's standing in between you and God. And today, you need to get rid of that. And you need to come forward and to declare His kingship in that area of your life. And so we would also invite any of you who need, and you know you need to do business with God, and it's a much better use of your time than just letting the elements pass you by. We want to ask you to be brave enough to do that. And you can do that as soon as the distribution begins and the, and the music begins. We're going to be singing, Here is grace, here is love. And that's so appropriate. Now let me pray for us. God, be in this time and come to us in a special way through the ordinary elements of bread and juice, through the divine element of prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.